Papa, is it good to be consistent? Sometimes, Elise. Think about it this way. Do you like it when the Wi-Fi sometimes doesn't work? No. Yeah, either do I. We want things that we depend upon to work, and we want them to work when we want them to. We also want the people that we interact with to be consistent in how we interact with them. It'd be hard to get through our day and our life if we couldn't predict how someone would respond to our actions. We form expectations about how things should be, which is both comforting and useful, but I'm droning on because I think you were asking more about if we need to be consistent in the things that we do every day. Is that it? Yeah, like, why do you want me to make my bed every day? Well, your mom and me want to have a tidy house, and having your bed made helps keeping the house tidy. And doing it every day helps make sure that it happens. We form habits and routines that help us with these types of things. But isn't that boring? Well, yeah, it can be boring sometimes, but boring isn't always bad.、Uh, But other times it's not good, right? Sometimes we need to change things up and try new things. Otherwise, we can get stuck in a rut in our ways, like this podcast, for instance. It almost always starts out with Tim and me talking, but today we're bringing you in to help with the introduction. Yeah, it's different for you and me. Yeah, and it's kind of fun, right? Meh. <laughs> okay. Well, it's fun for me, and it stops this podcast from being complacent and falling into a rut. And that is because we talk to our guest AJ Jacobs, and he talks about this. So here, listen to what he has to say. You can make these small experiments on your life, and I think that that it has a couple of very important benefits. So、uh, they could be、uh, just trying a new toothpaste every month, or or going a new way to work. And the benefits, as I see them, are one, it keeps life interesting, and two, I've read a lot about how. We create ruts in our brain, sort of these neural ruts.、Um, I guess the phrase is, "What what fires together wires together." So, the more you do something one way, the it's like a, a ski slope. The more,、uh, the harder it is to go another path. So, keeping your brain flexible by doing these little experiments, it it helps with my creativity. It helps with my happiness level. It helps keep life interesting. So, I am a big evangelist for everyone experimenting with their life, even in small ways. So, experiment experimenting is a good thing. Yeah, it keeps us flexible and creative. So, I hear you saying that it's okay for me to experiment with not making my bed. Oh, sneaky, Elise! Sneaky, yeah. Welcome to Behavioral Grooves, the podcast that explores human behavior through a behavioral science lens. I'm Kurt, and I'm Tim. We like to explore why we do what we do with researchers, authors, and practitioners in a conversational setting in order to bring those insights to you. And in today's episode, along with my daughter, we also talked with author AJ Jacobs on a wide range of topics. AJ Jacobs is an author, journalist, lecturer, and human guinea pig. He has written four New York Times bestsellers that combine memoir, science, humor, and a dash of self-help. AJ has said that he sees his life as a series of experiments in which he immerses himself in a project or lifestyle for better or worse, then writes about what he learned. 
And it appears that he inspired your daughter to try out some experiments of her own. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to see if we get that experiment past her mother. But yes, <laughs> I think she's already experimenting on the not making the bed because it really doesn't ever happen. Well, kudos to Elise for trying. Um, in our conversation with AJ, we explored how he immerses himself into his work, how a simple idea of gratitude turned into a journey around the world, and how experimentation can help us cope with life better by keeping our brains flexible. Our conversation was fun and informative, but I think that above all, it was inspiring. If AJ can do these things on such a grand scale, we ought to be able to experiment with our lives, even if that's just not making your bed in the morning. <laughs> okay, with that, we invite you to sit back, relax, take a slurp of warm experimental brew and enjoy our conversation with AJ Jacobs. AJ Jacobs, welcome to Behavioral Grooves. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Kurt. Delighted to be here. We are so glad to have you. And we're going to get started with the speed round because we know that this is going to be maybe the best part. No, it's not. Of course, not. it's not going to be the best part, but we're going to get started with one. So uh, there is a bet on this, by the way, as to how you're going to answer. So just to let you know, big pressure. Interesting. Okay. Coffee or tea? Well, I did write an entire book about coffee, so it would be uh, I would be uh, quite the hypocrite if I didn't say coffee. But it yeah. is it is coffee. Good. Yeah, there there Good. you go. <laughs> All right. So, would you rather have dinner with your favorite actor, sports star, or musician? Interesting. Uh, and by the way, just to go back to coffee for one second. Oh, have, okay. All right. I have a section in my book about how. Uh, the Boston Tea Party was was partly because they were uh, rejecting the British and their tea, and that so, and that some of them were embracing coffee. So it is a more patriotic drink. Uh, oh, so, I yeah. thought you were going to come back and say that the reason that they threw the tea in is because they were all hyped up on caffeine from coffee. But. <laughs> that could be. That could be. <laughs> I didn't read that. Um, okay, so my my favorite. I guess I would have to go with actor. I would go with actor, but maybe one of those hyphenates: the uh, actor, director, writer. Okay. Oh. Anybody who would, would that be? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good question. I did interview George Clooney once uh, for Esquire, and he was uh, he was very charming as. As advertised. Uh, in fact, he gave me like he's, we were just sitting around chatting and he started walking around and he got behind me and gave me a little back rub. So that was the highlight of my life. I got a back rub from uh, George Clooney. I can think of like every woman that I know in my life that is going to be envious of hearing that. <laughs> well, that's very nice. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a sensual background. It wasn't. Oh, like, okay. It, All right. It, 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 no, but George Clooney just, he, he evokes that kind of person that you would just like, yeah, I would love to sit down with him and just, you know, he seems like he would be just that charming, gracious, you know, talk about anything kind of guy. You yeah, absolutely. And he gave me, actually, I don't know, this is not, I'm slowing down the speed round. So the, please. The I speed apologize. round is a euphemism. Yeah, it doesn't a euphemism. really always, All right. it's not really, but <laughs> I do really have, a speed round. <laughs> I remember asking, asking him, I think it was just, you know, what advice 
would you give people? And he talked about when he, he, uh, he played baseball in college and he said when he would get up to the plate, he, would, he wouldn't say to himself, am I going to hit the ball or not? He wouldn't even say, am I going to hit a home run or not? He would say to himself, so which field should I hit my home run to? Left field or right field or center? And it was this sense of almost delusional optimism uh, <laughs> that he says is very powerful. And I've found it to be, I, I think it's, it's got its good sides and bad sides. It is good. It is like very motivating this, to, you know, I can write a bestseller. I can do, but you know, you don't, it, it has its downside and let like, you know, yeah. people who think they could be president with absolutely no qualifications, for instance, that's the kind of delusional <laughs> optimism we do not want. But, uh, but I do think it's a powerful tool to have in, in your, uh, in your kit. I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go back to coffee. This is important. Uh, so, uh, prefer to sip coffee or slurp coffee. Well, that's very, I actually have, have a, an entire section on this in my book on coffee, because the true coffee aficionados, like, you know, the wine ones, the ones who will taste it and say like, oh, I'm picking up hints of mango and cedar and pineapple, <laughs> which I do not do. But they say slurp. They say slurp yeah. because they uh, apparently there are taste buds all over your mouth, not just on your tongue. There's in your cheeks and in the roof. So if you really want to any food or drink, you should be slurping. <laughs> so it doesn't matter, you know, how, how, how rudely you are in the, in the restaurant, you should slurp to get That's the right. full <laughs> forget, forget the etiquette. Cause you want to aerate, I guess the idea is you want to yeah. aerate yeah. the liquid so that it's all over your mouth with the air and you get maximum flavor. So yes, if you don't care about other people and just care about the flavor, go slurp. Go slurp. Well, and, and we definitely want to come back to that because I think that this whole journey of gratitude around your coffee is is just a fantastic story and book and everything else. But we do have one more final speed round question that is not really a speed round at all, but it, it is a So in your opinion, which is more powerful? Thoughts impacting your behavior or your behavior impacting your thoughts? Well, I love that question because I actually, that is a theme that has run through almost all of my books. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I would say, for me at least, that actions, the exterior has an, a surprising impact on the interior, that the behavior has such a powerful uh, way to affect your mental state. And there's a quote that I love. I wish I had come up with it myself, but it was the founder of Habitat for Humanity. And he says, um, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. Mm. And, and I just find that... Uh, and so profound and so so useful. So I do a lot of acting as if, uh, you know, at, when I'm afraid, uh, I act as if I'm uh, I'm courageous. If I'm uh, feeling incredibly demotivated, I act as if I am confident and motivated. And after a couple of hours, it will often my mind will catch up with my actions. Yeah, this is like the classic a fake it till you make it uh, kind of concept, right? Uh, so, and you've done this a bunch. You know, you you've 
you have practice at this. How hard was it for you to get started doing that? Like when you when you come to this little gem and you're like, oh yeah, I see it. Was it difficult for you to start implementing it? Well, it is. I mean, you, it's almost like uh, you have to be an actor in your own life a bit. Uh, <laughs> but uh, once you start to do it and you start to see the payoffs, and I don't remember what the first time I did it was, but, you know, uh, it's certainly, I'll give you an example was I was writing a book on health and I didn't go to medical school and I'm not like you guys. I'm not a professional, uh, but I, (laughs) (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah, no, you, well, you, you have the credentials. I don't, I'm, uh, but I, um, so I would wake up often in this feeling of despair, you know, like, this book is, this topic is too big. I don't know what I'm doing. This is, uh, but then I would act as if I were confident and I would force myself to call the top experts in the field. Uh, I, for, I would, I remember I forced myself to call my publisher and say, you know, when this book comes out, let's, let's have a big, uh, publishing party and serve kale martinis and, uh, you know, the healthiest <laughs> foods and drinks you can think of and, uh, and make a big deal. And I wasn't feeling it, but I was saying it. And after a couple of hours of that, it really, it really helped. So maybe that was the first when I'm feeling not, when I'm not feeling confident, uh, I act as if I'm confident. And, uh, yeah, as you say, Tim, it is, it's not easy. But it is, uh, it has payoffs. So, you know, yeah. forcing yourself to do it, getting over that first little hump, uh, and then riding on the uh, the sort of the the momentum is, is so important. I'm, I'm amazed that you thought of kale martinis though as part of your for your party. That that's the they are so healthy. Oh my god, they sound so disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we ended up serving them. But. Oh, okay, okay. So now the truth comes out. All right, all right. And so so beyond that. So for for the listeners who who don't know uh, about you, you have done fascinating work, right? Uh, you've, you've written and and lived a year biblically. Uh, you've written about your, your year of living biblically, basically following the best you could, all the rules in the Bible, uh, you know, trying to be the smartest person in the world by reading the Encyclopedia Britannica from A to Z for a year, you know. <laughs> you talked about the health thing that you talked about, right? Being the healthiest person you could be, you know, tracing your family tree, which started to then grow not to just your family, but to pretty much everybody in the world's family and, and tracing all that. So you do all of these things, this immersion into this, uh, your work. So you are actually living out these, these things. So how do how do you come up with the idea? First off, this is just beyond me. Like where did coming up, like living a year biblically come from, you know? Well, that came from, I mean, a lot of the ideas uh, in general, I would say I do come up with a lot of ideas, uh, <laughs> but 95% of them, maybe 99, are terrible. Uh, so I, that's what I always tell people. It really is a numbers game. Creativity, I do believe uh, you've just got to 
churn them out and some of them are going to work and some of them aren't. And I actually spend, I did it this morning, spend 15 minutes a day just writing down ideas. Um, and I try to have sort of a, like a little mental playground around me. So magazines or, mm -hmm. or books or uh, uh, you know, even objects. Uh, and then just try to spin out ideas and as I say, most of them are terrible. Like, you know, <laughs> what, was, for, give us a, for instance, what, a what's terrible a terrible one. Yeah. Well, like it snowed in, uh, in New York yesterday. So I was just thinking about snow and what can we do with snow? So there's, what about a snowman? What about a snow woman? What about a snow non-binary person? What about instead of the pipe? How about a, um, you know, a jewel, uh, um, so, you know, these, these are not great ideas. They're not going anywhere, but they really, they're like going to the gym. I feel the mental gym, they are keeping my brain flexible and, and eventually one of those ideas is going to be like, why not try living by the, the Bible as literally as possible. And, and that is to answer your question, uh, Kurt, it was, I grew up with no religion at all in a very secular household. I, I say in the book, I'm Jewish, but I'm Jewish in the same way the Olive Garden is Italian. Nothing offense to the Olive Garden. Uh, but I've said, you know, well, one thing I could study the Bible, but what, what if I just, uh, as you know, my sort of my, my favorite thing to do is to live these things, experiment on myself, change my behavior and see how it affects me and what's good and what's bad. So I was like, well, what if instead of just reading the Bible, what if I tried to live the Bible? And that's that was the origin. Well, the, there's you also had to confront some tremendous contradictions in in what the rules are, right? And so how, talk about how you figured out which rules you're gonna follow and which rules are gonna kind of put aside and say, okay, that, that's just not gonna work. Well, I my goal was to follow every single rule. And <laughs> yeah. that, that was the idea, sort of become the ultimate. Uh, and, and there are hundreds of rules. So it's not just the 10 commandments and love your neighbor, no. which we're famous for. Uh, there's yeah, the Bible says you cannot shave the corners of your beard. I didn't know where the corners were, so I just let the whole thing grow, and it was quite terrifying by the end. <laughs> I had, you know, a sort of ZZ top. For those of you who you look like you guys are old enough that you might remember. Oh, I yeah, oh, ZZ yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that definitely. <laughs> but, but still, I mean, you you still, but you didn't use all you know, hundreds of you, you you narrowed it down to a sort of a subset, didn't you? I didn't. Of, I tried not to. I mean, there were ones that were very difficult. There yeah. were two types of difficult ones to follow. So the first type was those that in modern American society are, are not uh, not very uh, practical, like stoning <laughs> adulterers, for instance. That was a big one. And yeah. I did, I did, I stoned an adulterer using very small stones, like pebbles. So I, that's the way I checked it off the list. So that was one type of difficulty. And then there were the other types, like where it's a, it says no coveting, no lying, no gossiping. And as I wrote in the book, I'm a journalist and I live in New York City. So that's like 80% <laughs> of my day. So that was an incredibly hard one. And the way I did that, what I called moral makeover, was just what we said 
before where I pretended to be a better person. So I would, I had a friend in the hospital. I hate going to visit people in the hospital, but I said, what would a good person do if I were a good, what, uh, and I acted as if I were a good person and I would visit people in the hospital. And, and then it's sort of, uh, I tricked my mind and, and eventually I'm like, you know what, I'm a pretty compassionate person. Here I am visiting all these people in the hospital and, <laughs> and it changed me. Uh, so yeah, that, those were the difficult ones. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a fascinating component. And when you think about, you know, immersing yourself in that, I think is just, uh, interesting. Although the first time I actually, um, heard you was you were, you were with Tim Ferriss and you guys were both talking about, and, and, and I think it's his podcast and you were both talking about how you, you basically were at that time, both kind of immersing yourselves in these experiments on yourself, as you said, right? So making um, right. all these different things happen. Um, and I find it fascinating when, when people do that. What did you learn? I mean, if you had to, like, if there was one insight from the year of living biblically or, you know, trying to read the encyclopedia, uh, Britannica, all those things, is there is there a lesson from from each of those or just a takeaway in general that you kind of as a, as a, as a, Hey, this is, if there's one thing to take away. This would be it. Well, I, there were dozens of takeaways, but let me give you, I'll just give you one from each that, uh, that Perfect. really has stuck with me okay. and one from reading the encyclopedia. So I read the encyclopedia, um, you know, it is, 44 million words. So it took me like a year and a half and it was all of history. And, uh, and one takeaway was I am so grateful that I live in current times, which may sound counterintuitive because we are going through a very tough time right now. And I don't want to downplay that, but just reading about history and about how life expectancy just a three or 400 years ago was like 32 about how, you know, a third of women died in childbirth. It was just, it's just astounding. I mean, and in fact, whenever I get down on, uh, when I get down on uh, sort of life, which does happen quite a bit, one of my <laughs> mantras is uh, surgery without anesthesia. There's three words, and I just say to myself, remember, surgery with it, because until, I guess, maybe 150 years ago, that people would have surgery without anesthesia, and, and the descriptions, the first-person descriptions of what it was like are just so horrifying that they will, you know, they kept me up at night, but, but they're also very useful. Uh, so, uh, just remembering that as tough as times are now, uh, we have, you know, life expectancy has increased and, um, and we have modern medicine. And um, it, so, yes, I don't want to downplay all of the incredible challenges we have now, but the good old days were not good. The good old days <laughs> sucked. They were sexist. They were dangerous. They were smelly. Like you can't believe like the horse manure on the side of New York streets 150 years ago was up to the chest. It is just ah. mind boggling how horrible the, the good old days were. So anyway, that's one takeaway. Okay. okay. It makes me feel a little better sometimes. Um, for the Bible, and maybe this can segue into another, uh, one of the lessons was that 
gratitude is a huge theme in the Bible. Say thanks, say thanks for everything. So I, I started to do that as literally as possible. So I would press the elevator button and say thanks that the elevator came. Uh, I'd get in the elevator. I'd be thankful it didn't plummet to the basement and break my collarbone. And You know, it was weird. It was a weird way to live, but it was also wonderful because you realize there are hundreds of things that go right every day, and we are very good at focusing on the three or four that go wrong. So that was sort of the inspiration for a book that I my most recent book, which was all about gratitude. Yeah. Well, and, and tell us a little bit about that book, because I, a, the story about how that one started, I heard like sitting around the, the dining room table with your kids, right. And doing your, your gratitude and there, you know, so tell us about that. Right. Well, as you say, that started because I, I was doing this ritual where before dinner, I would say, uh, try to acknowledge some some of what went into our meal. So I would say, you know, I'd like to thank the farmer who grew these tomatoes for our spaghetti and the cashier at the grocery store who sold them to me. And my son, who is, I guess, 11 or 12 at the time, said, you know, that's that's okay, it's, but it's also pretty lame because you, you're not, they're not here. They can't hear you. So if you cared, you would thank those people in person. And I was like, hmm, that is an interesting <laughs> idea. That could be a very interesting project or book. And so I, I took his advice and I went, uh, I chose coffee, much to his disappointment that the kids wanted, you know, s'mores or candy or chocolate. <laughs> and I chose coffee and I spent several months going around the world when we could still travel, uh, thanking as many people in person as I could who played any role whatsoever in my cup of coffee. And I took this wide because it really does, it, it takes so many people that we take for granted to produce anything. So I thanked the barista, but I, and I went to South America and thanked the farmer. But there was also the logo designer, the um, the the truck driver who drove the coffee beans, and the uh, the people who loaded the coffee bags onto the ship. There was. The truck driver couldn't have done his job without the road. So what about the people who built the road? And it's almost like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger until I thanked over a thousand people. Wow. That, is, that is fantastic. And I, I love that your curiosity went to those that extent, right? That it wasn't just, oh yeah, there had to be someone that drove the coffee in the truck. You actually thought about, well, what are they, they're driving in a truck. Someone made the truck and the truck is driving on the road. And oh my gosh, someone made the road. You you have come to this, you basically, I, I think you, you, if you actually talked about this, that you, you've created an experimental life. Like your life is largely centered around, well, I shouldn't say largely. To what degree? <laughs> I'll, ask, I'll ask you, I'll ask you, AJ. To what degree do you think your life is centered around experimentation? A lot. Yeah, I think largely is fair. Uh, I mean, I see. And I also, I am a big evangelist for experimenting with your life. And I don't think, you know, I take it to the extreme because that's my job. No one would want to read sort of a mild like, oh, I I decided not to, you know, only to have uh, cashew milk in my coffee uh, <laughs> instead of 
regular milk. Like that's not a book, but that is actually, <laughs> yeah. that's not to be dismissed. I shouldn't be dismissive because no. that's what I'm saying. You can make these small experiments on your life. And I think that, that it has a couple of very important benefits. So uh, uh, they could be uh, just trying a new toothpaste every month or, or going a new way to work. And, and the benefits as I see them are one, it keeps life interesting. And two, uh, I'm not a neuroscientist, so you you know better than me about this, but uh, I've read a lot about how we create ruts in our brain, sort of these neural ruts. Um, I guess the phrase is what, what fires together, wires together. So mm-hmm. the more you do something one way, the it's like a, a ski slope. The more... Uh, the harder it is to go another path. So keeping your brain flexible by doing these little experiments uh, is, uh, is I think it, it helps with my creativity. It helps with my happiness level. It helps keep life interesting. Uh, so I am a big evangelist for everyone experimenting with their life, even in small ways. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a, the element of a status quo bias, right? We get stuck mm-hmm. into the status quo and, and even just a little push outside of it. Like you said, you know, try a different toothpaste, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, what's the cost, you know, the cost of, of a, you know, a couple dollars for the toothpaste, you don't like it, you don't have to, you can try it for a week. And if you don't go back to your old one, but at least you're, you're experimenting and you're getting yourself out of your comfort zone, which does have those neurological processes that you talked about that, hey, you're, you're reconnecting various different synapses within your brain that now are allowing you to look at something just slightly differently. And even if it's just, and you do enough of that, and then you get a whole different perspective uh, on your on your world. And it's really interesting. So one of the things as you were talking about how you were, how you come to these ideas and, and other things is obviously you're a very curious person, but it's also just kind of going in deep. And I heard Neil Gaiman um, talk one time. He said, you know, how do you come up? They, they was asked, how do you come up with your ideas for your books? And he said, you know, you just look at things and things that are really familiar with that you're with. And then you look at them really closely or deeply. And he told this whole, went into this whole thing about, you know, think about sleeping beauty um, and this idea that, you know, this, this woman who is, and he, he described it much better than I will do, you know, dark black hair, you know, bright ruby red lips, you know, white skin, sleep for a year, and then this Prince Charming coming across and, and like seeing this dead body, you know, woman and falling in love. And so he goes, so who is, Prince? you know, she's, you know, she's obviously a vampire, you know, because <laughs> if you think about it, he's this narcoleptic, you know, weird guy. And so then you think about that whole story and then he goes, so, so in that story, the, the queen who put, you know, uh, uh, Snow White, I guess not Sleeping Beauty, Snow White in that, in that you know, curse was actually the hero of the story. So it changes Ah. in the whole perspective. And it sounds, you know, as you just talked about, you know, it's not just the barista, it's not just the coffee roaster, it's, it's the grower and then all the way down. So it's, it's taking a a look at things to that piece. And, and actually I I watched a Ted talk that your Ted talk, right. On gratitude. And, and one of the quotes that you said that I just love is, is smell the roses and the dirt and the fertilizer. 
and it's about savoring. It, I took it as savoring the moment. So uh, w- w- I want you explain what you, you mean by that. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I loved what you just said. There's so much to dig into there. Um, and I do, I do obsess about fairy tales. Uh, I mean, they are so crazy. Yeah. And, and first of all, like the consent issues, all these princes like kissing, <laughs> like what the hell? This is not, <laughs> exactly. these guys need to get canceled. Uh, but then uh, I was, uh, oh, the other thing is um, what you said about uh, one phrase that I, I really resonates me, with me is seeing the world with fresh eyes or beginner eyes or young eyes, uh, because that to me, when I, for instance, even something as simple as when I read, uh, when I'm writing a book and I have to reread it, I try to read it with fresh eyes, meaning like I put myself in the in the head of a of someone who knows nothing about it, and and say, well, would they find this interesting, confusing? Is this? And I just think it's a really important skill. Um, uh, but also for creativity, looking at everything with fresh eyes and saying, you know, yeah, why is it this way? Why? Um, uh, speaking of TED Talks, there was a great one about um, from a designer. I think he designed the iPod. And I was just listening yesterday, and he talked about how he, um, in 1905, this woman was in a, a car. Uh, I think they had <laughs> some yeah, early did, 1900s, and um, and it was uh, snowing, and the driver had to open the window and reach out and wipe the snow off, and it was really unpleasant for everyone in the car. And she says, well, "What if there was a way to get rid of the snow uh, without opening the window?" And that's how windshield wipe. She came up <laughs> with the idea for windshield wipers, and it's just seeing that with fresh eye, like. What if? Um, so anyway, that was that. That might have been a little bit of a tangent. I apologize. But, Tangents uh, are perfect. <laughs> all right. And then uh, the other part was about, oh, yes, about savoring, which I think is a wonderful and very powerful and important part of our lives that we don't do enough. Uh, and and I did this in in the coffee book because I am, you know, uh, I – I spent most of my life just slurping the coffee you know, like a drug. I just like fuel. I just wanted the caffeine. <laughs> but these, but these people who are the you know the tasters, the official tasters that I mentioned, the slurpers, they they said no. You've really got to you you know treat it like with respect. So so I, so I was like, all right, I'll try. And I would just even if it's just two or three seconds, just leaving it on the tongue and just really focusing on it, almost like mindful it's almost like tasting meets meditation so you're really just uh, focusing on the sweetness the acidity the texture and and it really does make a difference uh and this idea of slowing savoring is is a lot about slowing down time really focusing uh and and having when you're doing that, it is just such a wonderful experience because like all of your other worries melt away and you're able to really f- focus on this one moment of enjoyment. And I think I often try to see my life as, as sort of like I'm a curator of these moments. I'm like mm. trying to collect these 
little moments and remember them because if not everything just blurs together and and goes by so fast that uh, if you don't consciously make an effort to savor something uh, and it doesn't have to be food it could be anything it could be music it could be a moment with your kids so uh, but yeah to me that is a crucial part of happiness it almost sounded like you were going to say mindfulness. It almost. Oh, I, yeah, no, I throw mindfulness in there. It is like mindfulness and savoring are very close cousins, I think. Yeah. What I was uh, earlier praising, like experimenting and changing things. So you do need some of that. But if you, but if everything were like that in your life, it would be exhausting. So you need to balance <laughs> right, it right. with with the habits and routines. And I do feel like you said I have some some habits that really anchor my life. And I even uh, have found it just in the last year. I made a little checklist. I've I've become a big fan of the checklist, uh, and even my morning routine, the stuff that I should remember. But uh, I, it just makes it easier if it's all written down. You know, brush your teeth, put in your contact lenses, do the brainstorming, send um, a note to my mother of what I'm grateful for because we like exchange. That's one of our little rituals, and uh, and I love that. So balancing, uh, trying to find these novel experiences to keep your life interesting, with this routine that will help anchor your life. I mean, that to me is, uh, if you can find that balance, then then you're in good shape. Is, so. it, it, yeah. Is, is part of that, uh, this, these checklists, do you have a, a checklist that sort of pushes you into exploring or pushes you outside of the, this is the routine. And then at this point in the checklist, you're going to you're going to depart from it. You're going to hit the exit ramp and you're going to have to go off into, into mm -hmm. idea creation. I love that. But, and I don't, but now that you bring it up, I'm going to, I think that's, that's a very interesting idea. It's almost paradoxical, like having a checklist of things, you know, that are unexpected. And I guess I do have, I have on my checklist that 15 minutes where it's, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's you almost do. unstructured time. Yeah. But still, yeah, yeah it, it is interesting to think like I'm gonna I'm gonna plan time to be unplanful. You know, there you so, go. Yeah, <laughs> Montanity has its time and place. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so AJ, we had talked earlier, and and you're doing some uh, your your new book that you're you're working out right now is about puzzles. So can you tell tell us and our listeners a little bit about uh, what that is about and and what you are trying to do. Yeah, I have been a fan of puzzles all my life. Um, I start the book with an anecdote about how I was actually the answer to a clue in the New York Times crossword puzzle a few years ago. And as a nerd, I thought this was the highlight of my life. Um, and then a friend of mine pointed out that it was uh, it was actually Saturday's puzzle. So, oh, it wasn't know, Sunday's puzzle. It was just well, Saturday. Saturday, well. Sundays would have been better, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, but Saturday is the worst because it's the hardest. That oh, They get right. harder and harder. Right. Saturday is harder than Sunday. So so the, the idea is that oh. all the clues are totally obscure. So, <laughs> so basically, I'm, I'm totally obscure. And, uh, you know, until I make an earlier in the week or Sunday puzzle, then uh, I, have, I have not made it. So I love that. Um, but, but I... Th I think puzzles, 
uh, not only do I love them, but I think that they, they're not a trivial waste of time. They have taught me so much about how to think and how to approach life. And um, uh, I'll just give you like two quick examples. One, one is just this idea of not uh, of keeping an open mind, a flexible mind, and not falling in love with your hypotheses. So, <laughs> you know, it happens all the time with crossword puzzles where uh, I remember I had, a, it was a, what was it, a nine-letter word starting with F. And uh, the clue was, this is the result of a bad trip. And I was like, oh, yeah, bad LSD trip. It's it's flashback. And that's got to be it. And I refused to give that up and it screwed with me and made the uh, the puzzle last for like three hours when it could have lasted for 20 minutes because it was really it was face plant it was not <laughs> that's the result of a bad trip it was face plant it just happened to have the same letters and the same number of letters and an f at the beginning so don't just that's in general don't fall in love with your hypotheses in life you know don't be like I have to I have to marry this particular person or I won't be happy. No, keep keep your options open. Yeah. Uh, and what's another one uh, from crosswords is remember um, George Clooney and his delusional optimism about hitting home runs. <laughs> I actually get a little of that from the crossword puzzle because the Saturday puzzles are just so hard. You stare at them and you stare at them and you have no idea what to do. But you just have to find that one little entry point. One little, there's like, if you can just find one clue that you're like, oh, yeah, I think this might be it. Then it opens up everything because there are other clues. So I try to do that with every project. I, I don't get overwhelmed. Take it step by step. All you need is that one little wedge. And once you get in there, then things can open up and you can actually do it. So, so don't get discouraged right at the beginning just yeah. because it looks in, impossible. Well, you had, you had also mentioned, um, you said, don't get furious, get curious. I mm. thought that was another great concept. What Help explain that. Well, yeah, that is, uh, I mean, the book is, is a lot about my actual experience with puzzles. Like I went to and participated in the World Jigsaw Puzzle Championship, uh, and it was hilarious. So meeting these wonderful people. But but part of it is about these life lessons. And like you said, I love this phrase, don't get furious, get curious, uh, which I originally read in a, uh, a parenting book, like when your toddler throws a tantrum, don't get angry at him or her. Be like, you know, why is why are they having this tantrum, and what can we do? That's a better way to look at it. And and I feel that way about a lot of life. So instead of looking at life as a as a battle to be fought, uh, instead try looking at it as a puzzle to be solved. And and it's uh, I find much more motivating. Like if I heard about the Middle East crisis or the Middle East puzzle, I'd be my you know the Middle East crisis makes me want to curl up into a ball. The Middle East puzzle, <laughs> I'm like well maybe there is a solution. Let's let's dig in and try to find it. So that's sort of the idea of uh, curiosity as one of my favorite emotions. It seems to come to you pretty naturally though, doesn't it? 
I do. I feel that I, I was lucky to be born with a good amount of curiosity, but I also think it can be cultivated. I once interviewed Alex Trebek, uh, the late wow. great Jeopardy host, yeah, and he wow. had a quote about, he told me uh, a quote that I love, which was, uh, he said, I'm curious about everything, even those things that don't interest me. <laughs> which doesn't really make sense in one way, but it also is wonderful. I agree. I am curious. Like I would, yeah. I could spend a day, you know, what's the most stereotypically boring topic, you know, accounting or whatever. I'm sure there's lots of fascinating uh, uh, ideas and surprises in accounting. Oh, I don't I think, know them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think some of the best researchers are are that same way. I mean, we had we, we were uh, lucky enough to talk with George Lowenstein, who's fantastic on, on you know behavioral science luminary, and he's you know he we talked to him about boredom because he he said he hates boredom, and and so it's he painful. got cured. It's physically painful, painful, physically for painful him. to him. So he started to do all this research on boredom because he was curious, like. Other people don't seem to be as bad, you know, like the, that it, it doesn't, boredom doesn't impact them as much. I wonder why that's happening. And yet for me, this is really bad. And so it, it led to this whole line of research on boredom. And then he's, you know, he's done research on, you know, uh, whole sorts oh. of various different things from, you know, sex to, uh, you know, discounting time to money to all sorts of different things. But it's always, Classic. as you said, it's that it's right. like looking at those things and figuring out accounting. Well, what there's something curious about accounting. I'm sure I could find something. You know? is, and also did he, cause I've read a little about boredom and the, some of the benefits of boredom. Did he find any benefits or he still hates it? Like, like well, it, it, I, I mean, it, it, very early investigative stages, it means different things to different people. Right. And it, and it affects us differently. And so right. he's, he's kind of working through that. What, you know, we're, we're talking about this, this idea of the book of puzzles. We should just uh, let, let listeners know when that book will be available. Not for a long time. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I am writing, I'm on chapter six and I, uh, so, but it won't be out until um, uh, basically a year from now. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're, we're talking in February of 2020, this book is going to be 21. available. 2020, 2021. Yeah, Tim, you know, if we were in 2020, we'd be face to face. It would be a whole separate thing. We'd be. Dates and times are not my strength. so ignorant of what is about to come. It would be, you know. So this, this, the, the book will be available in early 2022. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. Just one. Okay. Uh, AJ, we're uh, we're also curious about uh, your musical interests and uh, what you're listening to these days. What's on your playlist? What what is it that uh, might occupy your your mind and your uh, emotions musically these days? Well. Uh, it's weird. I'm a bit of an outlier when it comes to music. It is not a huge part of my life. I love, I love it in the background. Like when I'm watching movies, if you watch a movie, like, you know, a thriller without music, it's really yeah. weird. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I, I know it's important, uh, but I never like just listen to music. And, and when I'm working, I don't listen to music. I don't. I I generally don't listen to anything. I I sometimes even put on these little headphones, which are not the fancy noise canceling ones, because those are 
I lose them and I don't want to spend $300 <laughs> every couple months. But these are $8 headphones. And they, they look like the kind of kind of uh, headgear that the people who work on the tarmacs at the airport are wearing yeah. just for the sake of listeners can't see them, but they look like big ass honkers that go on your ears to keep all the sound out, right? That is the look I'm going for. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I will say I once... Uh, did an article, I forget which magazine, but there was, there there had been some research that people work better with sort of a low level of ambient noise, like, you know, just like low chatter. You can't understand what people are saying, almost like white noise, but not quite. Mm-hmm. And the clinking. So there was an app, and probably still is, that you could download to have restaurant noise in the back. Or I think you could choose your, you know, it could be restaurant, it could be like, you know, train station noise, whatever you <laughs> wanted. Uh, and so I tried that and I guess it worked. It was okay, uh, but it didn't stick. It's, uh, you know, again, trying things out, I'm all for it. Not all of them stick. That one didn't stick. Uh, so I, I've retreated back to silence. That's yeah, what, it's okay. we're doing some. We're Melanie Brooke uh, is doing some research on this, and so we're just gathering some of this information for anecdotal pieces for her. But it's interesting. We we you know half the time people say no no music, other half are saying yeah give me music, and then there's people who say well I I can do music if I'm writing or doing this, but if I'm doing other type of work I can't, and vice versa. And then you know is there type of having it in uh, with with words or without words. So um, it'll be well, interesting. I, I've read a lot about people who listen to music before they perform. So like um, Michael Phelps mm-hmm. uh, was talked about how he would just blast. I think it was Lil Wayne uh, <laughs> and, and get him in the mood. So, so that's another genre of uh, people. I, again, I don't do that, but. Well, uh, I wonder, I, I'm just wondering out loud if at some point, maybe there's a day when your curiosity leads you in the, you know, from a year of living biblically to, to a year of learning a new instrument. I wonder. That if- is, you know what? You're right. I, so I feel that I have under-experimented in the musical genre. <laughs> and, and this, you, Tim and Kurt, you are an excellent uh, motivation for me to start, whether it's, yeah, taking up the French horn or just listening to... One thing I want to try and experiment is um, electronic dance music. I listen to it and it is... I feel like, you know, what my father must have felt when I listened to the Sex Pistols. It's just like, <laughs> what is this noise? Like, what the hell? So, I want to say, like, can I do it? I mean, can I do it? Do I need to, like, be on MDMA to enjoy it? Can I, you know... If I listen to enough, will I understand it and uh, the you know, appeal? So. The mere exposure effect. You just put yourself out there, you listen to it long enough, and you might actually get to like it. I don't know. I want to see. I want to see. Because I've also heard, and I don't know how scientific this is, but someone told me of the concept of taste freeze. Like at a certain age, your tastes yeah. oh, just yeah. freeze. I don't know if that's true, but that's what he was arguing. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know of the research on that. I would, I would argue particularly with your mindset of kind of being curious and experimenting with different things that it probably doesn't that you probably have at least if that is indeed a true thing you have you've you've pushed it off so far into the, your future that uh, uh with what you're doing so 
There you well, go. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> I'm still stuck on getting me my head around the idea of maybe MDMA with you know all kinds of different musical experiences. Maybe do a microdosing routine on. I don't know. It sounds that's. That's a great stimulus. Okay, AJ, thank you so, so much for being our guest on Behavior Groups today. Wow, my pleasure. I had a, I had a great time. So thank you, Kurt, and thank you, Tim. Welcome to our grooming session where Tim and I groove on what we learned from our discussion with AJ, have a free-flowing conversation, and talk about whatever else comes into our flexible experimental brains. Oh man, is he just he's so inspiring on so <laughs> many levels. It like, is amazing. I mean, to to think that he immerses himself into these projects and has the wherewithal to be able to stick with some of this stuff uh, and and we only just touched the surface with in this conversation oh, yeah, i mean if you yeah. know anything about aj uh i mean there's just everything he he outsourced his life in in one <laughs> experiment right. he, he he outsourced like uh, arguments with his wife he would have somebody from the Philippines, you know, do that along with like scheduling and everything. I mean, right. it's just amazing the what the 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 stuff that he does. And then what I find really inspiring part of this though is that he it's not just for fun. He's doing it to actually learn things about us as humans. It's right. a behavioral science experiment of one on himself. And, you know, granted, we can't necessarily generalize that out. It's not a good randomized control study, but no. it does give insight. And as you said, I think it's super inspiring. So I want to amp that up just a little bit in terms of how he's so inspiring. He's also one of the most humble human beings I've ever met in my life. He is just like super ordinary. Like, you know, while we're talking, while we're recording, uh, you know, his son comes in. And it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, you need anything, you know, just like super easy, <laughs> laid back. And oh, yeah, well, you know, that's my son. He just needed something out of my office. And there's like this relaxed, super chill thing about him that I just find inspiring. That's well, it. I think that might be from some of the experiments he's realized, you know, the, yeah. that's yeah. the better way of living your life. So, all right, Tim, what do you want to groove on? Well, let's start with uh, immersion and curiosity. Right. Big, big, big topics in his his life. He's he has he's curating his whole life around yeah. around this idea of diving in deep and being curious. Yeah. Well, I, I loved he said he is a curator of these moments. Yes. Yeah. I just and again thinking about that, when you curate the moments of your life, you lead a better life. And that's the assumption. And I and I think there's some value and some truth in that statement. And I just love that idea, this, this idea of looking and immersing yourself into something. And you don't have to immerse yourself in as like he does, right? It's But really, immersion is <laughs> no. just paying attention. It's paying attention to those things in your life, like he, he, like he did with gratitude. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll groove more on gratitude later, but this idea of just paying attention to who's serving you coffee, 
And then, well, if they're serving me coffee, I need that coffee doesn't just come from them. It comes from these others. And so it's, it's taking the time to think about that. It's slowing down and focusing in on the parts of your life that are important. And I think that immersion is something that we all can do. I want to turn it to an experience in my own life, which was the first date that I had with my wife, Katie. Mm. So super vivid in my mind. The, the experiences are very, very clear from the, from the beginning of the day through, through our, you know, kiss goodnight. And that was, there's so many little snapshots there, right, that are so fantastic. And part of it is because I was really savoring it. I was really, there was a lot of anticipation that went into it. I think about Jonathan Mann with experiences, right? Anticipated experience, the experience itself, and then the remembered self. Man, that was a really, really big deal. And uh, those were, those moments, I was taking in those moments and collecting them in a very intentional way because it was a really big deal. There, so there's there's research by Mark Landu at the University of Kansas. He did some uh, a study on on memory and very different things. And he talks about as we get older, um, as we age, we group experiences into broad chunks such as work or family or fun outings, and fewer things uh, seem to stand distinct. And he's and, and one of the things that that they're talking about there is that if you can actually focus and have very specific um, memories, like you and your your wife on that date, right? That that lends itself to to feeling like a time is extended, but also these memories that are going to be much more vivid in in our minds, and we're going to remember them because they're not going to get chunked together with oh, this was just another work day, this was just another family outing. No, this was the family outing that we did this and this and this by just focusing and paying attention on there. And there was a great story, and I can't remember who who talked about it, but it was the difference between a, a grandma taking her grandchild to the beach for the very first time. The grandmother obviously had been to the beach multiple times. This was the first time for the grandchild. What does the grandmother remember? Well, it was a it was a walk on the beach, but it's the first time with my grandchild. That was cool. But the the grandchild, it's like waves, it's sand, it's seagulls, it is seashells, it is uh, you know, the sounds and smells and everything. Sounds and smells. And so they have, you know all of these different distinctions because they're new and unique and they're focusing on them because they're novel. And, you know, if we just paid attention to those types of things, I think we would be much better off. Um, I, I just think that that's a really interesting thing. Let, let me just expand on that with something that uh, you pointed out, actually, Kurt, I want to give you credit for this, for pointing this out, that when we take notice of these moments, right, when we appreciate them, we're going to be closer to being in our groove, if not mm. already in our groove. And this is an important part of really enjoying and having a more satisfying life, that this intentionality and this uh, momentary awareness can actually help us actually live just a better life overall. Well, a more I think enjoyable it, life, I should say. Yeah. And I think there's another piece of this, which is if we want to have a creative life, and this goes back to uh, uh, something I heard Neil Gaiman talk about, right? Where he comes up with his ideas and he says, I just look at something really closely. And 
by examining that. And he went through, and I think I talked about the story of Snow White, where he just really Mm -hmm. dug into Snow White and then started to be curious. Well, why is Snow White, you know, sleeping for this? You know, what does it mean that her hair is black and her skin is white? What could that possibly mean beyond going past that surface level of examination and being really curious about things and really examining things closely? common everyday things. And all of a sudden that lends itself into a creative approach or thought about how things are doing. And I think that's what AJ's doing. I think that really is this idea. Um, so I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Life, uh, you know, live your life as if, you know, yeah. uh, it, it, it's kind of the, the, the whole thing. And, and just a, a quick shout out to Neil Gaiman. If you, if you aren't on masterclass, get on it and do Neil's masterclass. Cause it's, it's amazing. It, it is. It's fantastic. So, yeah. uh, okay. Uh, what, what else should we, what else should we groove on? Well, Tim, I am so grateful that you asked me that because <laughs> I just think that this is a key insight in from this that I am going to take something out of this is that, you know, gratitude is so important. And just this fact that AJ took it to the extreme, but we don't all have to take it to the, we don't have to travel down to Argentina no, to, no, to thank the, the growers of the coffee beans and the people who picked it. But we should be paying attention to those things in our lives that we are, you know, just bring pleasure to us and the people that are doing that. And how can we express that gratitude to them? Because that's only going to be beneficial, not only to us, but to them as well. Yeah. I, I, in in uh, your research on this, I know that you, you pulled out that uh, the word uh, gratitude comes from the Latin root of gratia, which is fantastic. And I just have to say that I love the fact that, that gratia refers to grace and graciousness. And, and so while we have this, there's also, and, and this is good for us to express it, right? But there's also something that's really good on the other end, because the person who is receiving that grace, that gratitude, that, that gratefulness, they are benefiting because human beings need affirmation and recognition from other human beings. So this is like a 100% recyclable, super cool, (laughs) you know, uh, hyper photo allergenic. I don't know. I mean, this is a really fantastic thing to do to express gratitude. You not only improve your own life, you help improve the life of someone else. It is just this uh, reoccurring element that builds upon itself, a uh, reoccurring loop. It's, it's fantastic. And there's lots of psychological research that shows that gratitude improves your psychological health by reducing toxic emotions such as envy, resentment, mm-hmm. frustration. Robert Edmonds has done a ton of research on this. And I just think it lends itself to a happier life for us. And as you said, for the people who are receiving gratitude. So why don't we do more of it? Why don't we just take that moment to say thank you with with real intention, not just that passing thank you, but really yeah. heartfelt yeah. thank you. Take a few minutes to write a thank you note for somebody. Uh, buy flowers and 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 give them to somebody. Do do just yeah. little acts of kindness that show that you're grateful for the people and the, the things in your life that are good. Yeah, it can be anybody, and it just takes a few words. I, I mean, during the pandemic, 
something that I've been acutely aware of are the people on the front lines at the grocery store because they've been there every day that I've gone to the grocery store. There are people working there. And as, as risky as that has been, sometimes it's just really nice to engage them and say, hey, you know, I, I don't know how difficult this is for you, but it's really great for me. So yeah. maybe this is like no big deal for you, or maybe it's 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 a really stressful thing for you. I don't know, but I do know that it's a really great thing for me that I get to go sh- grocery shopping and get the groceries that I need because you're here. Yeah, yeah. And we can find those people throughout our lives, and we just need to pay attention, going back to that first part yeah. of those moments and curate those moments in our lives and then thank those people that have helped in curating those moments. So, all right. You want to experiment with something else? (laughs) What do we talk about? Experimentation. Ah, experimentation. I I loved, again, what he talked about, the the idea, and he gets into some of the the science of this that hey experimentation is is rewiring our brain it's it's creating these new neural pathways and there is actually some support for that so there's this idea that the brain has uh, neuroplasticity uh, its ability to form new connections and pathways and change the circuits are, and how they're wired and that that is is increased or improved when you have novelty and newness, which experimentation brings. So, At the same time, the fabulous, one of the fabulous things that I love about the human condition is that we have this tremendous need for novelty and we have a tremendous need for stability and status quo. That both of those coexist in the human condition in a really wonderful way. And, and so we do need to think about things to break up the status quo. I go back to uh, Francesca Gino saying early in the pan- pandemic, Harvard Business uh, School professor. And she said, my husband and I needed to break things up. So for his birthday, I got him dance lessons. Yeah. Like, you know, they're doing online dance lessons through the pandemic. Did He was not excited about it because <laughs> it did not meet with his status quo. But it it actually, it, it that novelty kind of breaks things up in a really wonderful way. So we, we absolutely need that. Yeah. And I think there is something about this idea of making little experiments in your life on small things that... I, I will go back that if you pay attention to and you're curious and then you're, you examine that experiment and say, did this improve my life or did it, was it just meh or did it actually <laughs> decrease my life, uh, my, my satisfaction with life? And by doing that, those small little experiments, you're, you may not change your life overnight and you're not going to necessarily have a huge aha moment, but those small incremental changes in your life can, over time, redirect your life's trajectory yeah. and the life satisfaction that you have. I always go back to Tony Robbins, who I'm not a, necessarily a big fan of, but one thing that he, when I was in my 20s, I listened to his little power tapes, whatever they were. And the one thing that has stuck with me is he said, look, if you change one per, you know, the, the direction that you're traveling by 1% and you do that and you change that 1%, say every week, and you're able to do that. That's a 52 degree change after a year. That's yeah. significant. 
Yeah. You know, even if it's 1% every, every month, that's a 12%. And over 10 years, that's 120% change. So it's not like taking a 90 degree turn right away, but you can make these small incremental changes. And as AJ was talking about, you can experiment and you can see, is this going to be better? Slurping my coffee. Is that better than sipping my coffee? (laughs) You know, using a different toothpaste. Is that better or not better? Um, you know, opening the door with my left hand as opposed to my right hand. Yeah. All of these things that can just help us really focus and pay attention to some of these things and maybe improve our lives. So if we're following Tony Robbins idea of one degree every week, then in 36 weeks, don't we, or 360 weeks, we don't get back to exactly where we were when we started. (laughs) We've come full circle, man. But that's it, you know, of course, you're in a new place, right? Well, you're in a new place because you've traveled further, but you could yeah. stop at any one spot if you like it, right? I guess. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Anyway, okay. um, I think I think it's just one of those really key things. And, and hopefully, people were inspired by this, like we talked about, this inspiration that AJ does, I think, is just fantastic. So. Um, yeah. So as you're thinking about, as for listeners, if you're thinking about, well, what new thing could I do this just this week? You know, there's a whole bunch of new things. You might, one of the things you might do is listen to some new new music. You might try mm-hmm. out something uh, in our show notes that you haven't listened to before. Or, or you could write a review of this podcast. <laughs> that would be different. A yes. five star <laughs> glowing review. You could send out a link to your hundred you know, closest friends saying, you guys have to listen to this episode. That would be new and novel. You could experiment with to make, that. You could even more experimental could be like a six paragraph review, you know, like a, a really like an essay. paragraph review. Not like just a, yeah. Like, and talk about, review, no. you know, yeah, all of the wonderful pieces, <laughs> you know, you could, you could maybe go out to the Patreon site and, and like say, wow, we're going to support these guys <laughs> at the $1,000 per month level. We don't have a thousand dollar per oh, month right. level, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if, if, if you so want to do that, we would be, we'd be open to making one just for you. Anyway, we, we digress and we, we, we're joking, but seriously, try something new this week. Try to, try to do that. And you know what? We'll be back shortly with our bonus track. This is Kurt with our bonus track and groove idea for the week. Our discussion with AJ was inspiring. While he isn't a behavioral scientist, his work looks closely at the human condition, and we think it illuminates a number of key concepts that can be put to use by all of us. The process that AJ uses of immersing himself into a story whether that be living biblically for a year or reading the entirety of the Encyclopedia Britannica or traveling the world to thank everyone who has been involved in allowing him to drink his morning cup of coffee shows us that by examining life in its fullest can sometimes show us something of our human nature. We can all learn to pay more attention to things, to immerse ourselves in the moment where we can appreciate that moment for what it is to see the details and see the connections between them, to have some gratitude for the life that we have been given. If we can slow down, savor these moments for what they are, 
we can create a better life for ourselves and for those around us. The experiments that he does on such a grand scale are beyond most people's ability or desire, but the idea of experimenting with your life is not. He reiterates that you can make small experiments on your life, and we fully agree with that. And that leads us to the groove idea for this week. Find something in your life that you've done the same way for a long time or something that you tend to just go through the motions when you are doing it. Slow down and think about that activity deeply and then experiment with it. Try something new, shift something around. I'm going to savor the moment when my entire family gathers around at the dinner table to look at each person there and to try to appreciate them for who they are maybe even express my gratitude uh, to them for something that they did that day. It's one of those moments that I often take for granted and I really want to focus in on that. So let us know what you come up with and give it a try. And then um, let us know how that turns out. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, we hope that this week you go out and find your groove.